Chapter Seventeen of the Forgery by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen. An old brick house of a good size, with a little green court in front, stood before Henry Haley and the peddler at the end of the lane. Across the court, which was surrounded by low walls, was a narrow gravel path leading from a little gate in the wall to the door of the house and on each side of this path was a range of yew-trees which had formerly been cut into a thousand strange and fantastic shapes according to the principles of the topiarian art an art long now disused in this our land of england for many years it is true the shears and the pruning-knife had not been used on the venerable yews and the cocks and hens and obelisks and pyramids which they had once represented had now burgeoned and sprouted still leaving some fantastic degree of resemblance to the animal or thing first represented in the midst of the efforts of nature to restore the native form of the tree by this time the pale edge of the moon was rising over the flat lines of the common which lay below and the gleam shone through the intervals between the trees paving the little avenue with chequered light and shade along this varied pathway henry haley was pursuing his course when the peddler touched his arm saying you had better let me go first sir master graves is a difficult man to deal with for a stranger but i have known him for many years and can manage him i think henry suffered him to lead the way and advancing towards the door of the house which was sheltered from the winds by a projecting porch with a peaked roof the man struck a single blow with a large iron knocker consisting of a single bar thicker at one end than the other somewhat like a pestle of a mortar they had not waited half a minute when the door was suddenly thrown open and the master of the house himself appeared before them he was a very tall man perhaps six feet two or six feet three in height with a forehead equally broad and high rising from a pair of shaggy white eyebrows the crown of his head was completely bald and the hair upon the temples and at the back though curling lightly was as white as snow his frame must once have been very powerful and the broad shoulders and well-knit limbs seemed still not in the least affected by time although he must have been very nearly seventy years of age his hand was thin and bony and his skin somewhat wrinkled his teeth however were very fine and his dark eyes as bright and clear as ever time had not certainly bent him with his iron hand though it had thinned his flowing hair for he stood straight and upright rolling his eyes for a moment from the face of the peddler to that of the stranger behind him and then demanded in a loud stern tone what do you want you forget me master graves said the peddler though i have often sold you many a little thing and you always owned that my wares proved good i don't forget you joshua answered the farmer sharply i never forget but what do you want at this time of night and who is that he is a gentleman to whom i was showing his way mr graves said the peddler hastily seeing that henry was about to answer for himself we were attacked and robbed by four men down at the end of the lane 
They have taken my pack and the gentleman's pocket-book, and had very nearly killed him into the bargain, for he had to fight three of them, while one held me down. I thought he was dead for that matter, for two or three minutes, but he was only stunned by the beating about the head. And so I brought him on here, for I was quite sure you would never refuse to let us rest a bit after what has happened. "'You know, Joshua, I never receive visitors,' replied the farmer, gazing first at one and then the other, with evident hesitation. "'If men want to speak with me on business, they can find me at the market, in the fields, or in the farmyard. If they want to speak of anything else but business, they had better not speak to me at all.' "'Well, sir,' said the peddler, in a tone of grave reproach, "'I did not think that of you.' but we can go elsewhere. Henry felt inclined to interpose, for he did not intend to go elsewhere if he could help it. But the farmer, who was better understood by his old acquaintance, replied more kindly to this appeal. No, no, Joshua, he answered. I did not say that. I will not be wanting in hospitality. England was famous for it, when Englishmen were honest and man could trust man, and I will keep to it still, though those times have gone by. I must break through my rule. Come in, come in, sir. You shall be welcome, though there are few feet that have ever crossed that threshold for seven and twenty years. Thus saying, and telling the peddler to shut the door after him and bolt it, he led the way into a small sitting-room on the right-hand side. Henry followed him, and when he entered the room the farmer, still holding a candle in his hand, gazed at him gravely from head to foot, with a deliberate, meditating look. He seemed struck with his guest's appearance, but after a moment, as if conscious that his stare was rude, he said, "'I should think few men would like to deal with you single-handed, sir. You must be nearly as tall as I am, and a great deal stronger now.' "'I am upwards of six feet,' replied Henry, "'and not easily overpowered. "'In the daylight I think I could have matched all three, "'but in the darkness I could not see whence the blows came.' "'That's a bad knock upon your forehead there,' said the farmer. "'Sit down, sir, and I'll make the old woman bring you some vinegar. "'You seem one who would not like to carry a great black lump "'on his forehead about the world. "'There's a worse wound on the back of my head.' "'replied the young gentleman, seating himself. "'I believe it would have fractured my skull, "'but fortunately my hair is very thick.' "'Let me look at the wound,' said the farmer. "'I understand something about those things.' "'And holding down the candle, "'he parted the large curls of the young gentleman's hair, "'and as he did so, Henry heard him murmur, "'I never saw any but one who had hair like that.' "'Nor I either,' said the peddler who was standing close at his elbow, and caught the sound of the words likewise. "'Ha!' exclaimed the former, starting up to his full height, and gazing at the man with a look of surprise. "'Do you recollect her, then?' "'To be sure I do,' replied the other, in a calm and quiet tone. "'I shall never forget her as long as I live, nor her beautiful hair, either. It was so thick, so soft, and so dark, except when the light fell upon it, and then it was like gold. I put it in a comb for her once, I recollect quite well. 
The tears rolled from the old man's eyes, and going hurriedly to the door, he called aloud, Madge! Madge! Bring some vinegar here, and some of the balsam. He remained looking down the passage for about a minute, and when he returned, the tears were gone. When the vinegar and the balsam were brought by a servant woman apparently nearly as old as himself, he applied his remedies with his own hands, and often in doing so he muttered something to himself, but taking care that what he now said should not be heard. When he had done, he sat down and gazed very earnestly at Henry's countenance, speaking, however, at the same time, as if to cover the scrutiny he was making. "'And so, sir, you have lost your pocket-book,' he said. "'Was it very valuable?' "'It contained things to me of the utmost value,' replied Henry. "'A paper that can never be replaced, and a lock of my poor mother's hair, "'which I have carried over almost all the world with me.' she living or dead?' asked the farmer, "'with a good deal of agitation in his tone. "'Dead,' replied the young gentleman. She died almost immediately after my birth, now six-and-twenty years ago. Farmer Graves moved uneasily in his chair, but he answered, looking up towards the ceiling. It must be found, that pocket-book. It must be recovered. I have offered a reward of a hundred guineas to any one who will bring it to me, replied the young gentleman. For one of your men, and a man from the common, came to help us, Mr. Graves, when we were attacked. "'Otherwise I believe we should both have been murdered.' "'I think I can get it back,' said the peddler. "'My own pack is gone forever, but that's a small matter.' "'What will you take, sir?' said the farmer abruptly, still looking at Henry. "'I should think a little tea is the best thing for you.' "'If you please,' replied the young gentleman. "'But I think I must soon go on.' "'No, no,' said the farmer warmly. "'You had a great deal better stay here for tonight. "'There's the room my son sometimes has. "'It can be got ready for you in a minute, "'and I'll contrive to lodge friend Joshua here. "'I never thought to let two strange men into my house again. "'But now I am glad I did not shut you out.' "'Why so?' demanded Henry with a grave smile. "'There, don't look so,' cried the farmer, turning away his head. "'You put me more and more in mind of her every minute.' "'Young gentleman,' he continued, laying his large hand upon Henry's arm, "'you think me very strange, I dare say. "'And I am strange. "'Misfortunes have made me strange. "'But I'll tell you why I've shut all men out up to this day, "'and why I am glad I have not shut you out. "'I was once as glad to see my fellow-creatures as any one, and I let one man into my house, a stranger to me, as you may be, a gentleman, too, who paid me a high price for a horse I had to sell, and was rich and smart in his apparel. I let him in, I say, and he stole away the most precious thing I had. He well-nigh broke my heart, sir, and well-nigh turned my brain, and I have never let another in within these doors till now. "'But you know, Master Graves,' said the peddler, "'that he did not do you the wrong that you once thought, "'so that should be some consolation to you.' "'Yes, yes, I was wrong,' said the old man hastily. "'I wronged him, and I wronged my poor girl, too, by my suspicions. "'But yet what could I think?' 
as she was his wife why couldn't he acknowledge her as his wife but she was his wife i saw the certificate with my own eyes she showed it me when she was dying have you got it inquired henry Haley in as calm a tone as he could assume no replied the farmer i rushed out of the house like a madman and came back here as soon as the last breath was drawn i could not wait to put her in the earth to see the dust shovelled upon the head of my poor beautiful mary i came away at once and when i came back it was all over the house empty and the poor child too gone there was a dead silence for several minutes and then henry said in a low tone you should not think too hardly of her husband there may be many most important motives to lead him to conceal his marriage at all events you should forgive as you would be forgiven i do forgive answered the old man i have long forgiven but there has been a bitter tree planted in my heart which bears its fruit still and now young gentleman let me ask your name for you are so strangely like my own dear girl that i feel glad i have opened those long closed doors to you i have always had a notion that before i die i shall see my poor mary's boy and though i know that the name the man took was a false one yet i caught a sight of the real one in the certificate and i should recollect it if your name came somewhat near i looked at it but little it is true in that terrible hour but still i think i should remember henry paused thoughtfully for a moment or two and then replied i am called frank middleton but we will talk more about this mr graves hereafter for there are some strange circumstances connected with my own birth too at present i feel rather giddy i forgot i forgot said the old man we will have the tea and talk more to-morrow it is almost too much for my head and must be too much for yours he rang the bell as he spoke and then returning to the subject which he seemed to find a difficulty in leaving he said where were you brought up sir principally upon the continent replied henry in italy and spain and for some time in mexico ah he was a merchant said the old man and would have the means of sending the boy abroad but middleton that was not the name i have some reason to believe that my father's real name was not middleton replied henry though that is the name i have gone by for many years and perhaps by inquiring we could discover more however to-morrow morning will be time enough the last sentence was uttered as the old woman-servant came in with the tea which from her master's well-known habits she judged was the object of his ringing the bell she had brought but one cup however for never having seen a human creature entertained in that room she did not seem to grasp the possibility of two strangers being invited to share farmer graves's meal his orders were given however to bring more cups and saucers and more bread and butter and prepare two rooms for the accommodation of his unexpected guests as soon as she was gone henry inquired in the same quiet and low tone which he had studiously used if mr graves was acquainted with the name of the church at which his daughter had been married the old man shook his head no no he replied no i did not remark the name 
but they were living then at least she had been living at a small village in hertfordshire a little beyond harrow not much above ten miles from london and i think i understood that they had been there ever since she left me ah poor thing poor thing she little knew what she was doing when she quitted her father's house god help and forgive us all but as you say we had better not talk more about it to-night i feel the well of bitterness pouring forth all its waters again and yet when i look at your face it seems to carry me back for nearly thirty years and i can hardly think my child dead and gone in the cold grave she who was all life and brightness while i am left here upon the sunny face of the earth like a withered leaf in a summer's day there don't let us talk any more of it to-night henry judged that it might be better not to press the conversation any farther and indeed he wished in some degree to collect his own thoughts and to determine fully upon his course of action before he did so that he was in the house of his mother's father he was well aware but he had entertained no idea that his resemblance to his mother was so great as at once to awaken suspicion of the fact in the mind of the old man himself he had consequently prepared in no degree for such a contingency and he was well pleased to have time for consideration in regard to the next step which he should take to avow his real name and at once give mr graves an explanation of all the circumstances did not as the reader may conceive enter at all into his plans but yet he feared that the discovery of so great a likeness would render the task of getting full information from the old man more difficult than he had at first imagined he contented himself therefore during the evening with studying his companion's character it was not very difficult to comprehend indeed frank straightforward and decided but yet kindly and affectionate the apparent sternness proceeded more from rapidity of thought and feeling than from any real harshness perhaps after all thought henry towards the close of the evening i have obtained as much information from the good old man as he is able to give and although in the future i shall certainly tell him the whole perhaps the best way at present may be to leave him ignorant of any further particulars till i can clear away all clouds at once the farmer seemed very willing to give him the opportunity of doing so for till they retired to rest he studiously avoided all further reference to the subject which had already engrossed so much of their time that he was thinking of it still was apparent for he often fell into deep reveries but he made an effort to find other topics of conversation and henry was surprised to find that in speaking of books or arts he was by no means an illiterate or ill-informed person he seemed to have taken a delight in studying the older english poets he had not only that general knowledge of english history which is sufficient to carry a man through ordinary conversation or through the house of commons where facts misstated or quotations garbled and perverted are sufficient for the purposes of party and very little likely to be exposed especially if delivered with emphasis and the reputation of a good memory but he had also that thorough and minute acquaintance with particular periods of history which very few men possess but which is absolutely necessary to all who would view philosophically the motives deeds 
and results of past times and see their bearings upon the state of society at present at a very early hour for one accustomed to courts and cities henry received an intimation from his host that the usual period of rest at his house was come the old woman servant two or three other women and several labouring men were called in and the good farmer producing a small volume from a cupboard read several short prayers to his household and dismissed them to repose he then led henry to the room which had been prepared for him provided him with whatever articles of apparel he might need and when turning to leave him held up his hand with the air and look of a patriarch saying god bless you young man and watch over you during the night i do believe that my child's blood flows in your veins if not fortune has strangely sent you to renew and yet to soften the memories of the past End of chapter 17